Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 60 of The Revenge of Kang. This page contains chapter 34, entitled A Brave New World, and it's new all right, but brave. We'll need to be brave. We'll need to be brave here because the revelations that we are about to experience, they're very sad. Last episode was a big one. Uh, we, we left our heroes after having thwarted the schemes of what turned out to be not only a duplicate, but also an android Kang who was attempting to set off a bomb at the wedding of Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Girl, our heroes uh, discovered a mysterious file with the file name Fireball in the computer on the duplicate Android Kang's ship. And this file revealed to them and to us that everything that's happened in the adventure path up to this point has been contrived by Kang. It was Kang who arranged for there to be a World War II adventure for us. It was Kang who arranged for there to be a Western-themed adventure for us. Obviously, that one didn't quite take. It didn't didn't really have any Western content. And in addition to those covertly Kang-based adventures, our recent overtly Kang-based adventures have all been a work. These Kangs that we've defeated wanted to be defeated. It was all one giant manipulation. We don't know the exact details yet, but we know that we have been played. And we further know that this has something to do with Kang having discovered an alternate dimension where all of these adventures and all of the inhabitants of the Marvel Universe, in fact, are mere comic book characters in a line of comics produced by Marvel Comics, Inc. Now, this very helpful file also contained Kang's coordinates for getting to this strange new dimension, so our heroes plugged it into their time ship, and off they went to a world that has heretofore known them only as comic book characters. When the time ship materializes, quote, the alternate reality described in Kang's computers seems nearly identical to the normal universe with which you are accustomed. You have materialized in a desolate New York alley in the middle of the night. Across the street is an all-night liquor store. Just after you notice the store, you catch sight of a group of thugs wearing nylon masks hurrying inside. So we run over to deal with this liquor store robbery. There are four criminals in there that each have a shotgun, and other than them, it's just one clerk and one customer. So we fight, 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 but everybody in there is real surprised when we show our superpowers or whatever it is that we do. We've had this reaction before at the very beginning of the adventure. We're in a world where superheroes don't exist, so we have no difficulty stopping the robbery and once we have, the customer who's been cowering in the store yells, quote, Oh my god, it's the fill-in-appropriate team name. Are you guys for real? I write about you guys. And then he whips out, from God only knows where, the first issue of a comic book entitled Time and Space. This is Time and Space number one, and this first issue is, quote, a complete account of their, meaning our, adventures in the All This and World War II adventure which began the series. It's at this point, the man introduces himself as Marty Jenkins. Marty Jenkins is the comic book writer who wrote Time and Space Number 1. He is responsible for the plot of all this in World War II that we lived through, but for some reason, we don't kill him. Instead, quote, Marty also asks if the heroes have anywhere to stay and invites them back to his apartment. This offer, which will have a different level of creepy optics depending on exactly which team we're playing, but which we will accept nonetheless, this gives us plenty of time to spend with Marty Jenkins. And mainly, we talk about us, right? In this reality, we are comic book characters in a comic book series entitled Time and Space that Marty Jenkins writes, 
Issue 1 and Issue 2 are already out, covering the events of all this and World War II and the Weird Weird West, respectively. All of our like secret identities and private shit is well known to Marty, and I guess to everyone who reads comic books. Yes, we do have real superpowers, so Marty knows that it's us. We're going to need some regular clothes to get around, so Marty gives us some clothes. And he offers, since we don't have any leads on what Kang is up to in this reality, he'll take us into the Marvel offices the next day, and we can kind of look around there. Just kind of hoping that something there is going to help us know what to do next. So, all right, that's helpful. It's great to have a place to stay. The Marvel offices seem like a fine place to start since they seem to contain all of everybody's deepest secrets, presumably including Kang. But let's talk about Marty for a second, because this is this is the dumbest thing on this page. Marty, who is actually statted pointlessly in the NPC section, uh, all of his abilities are typical except for his fighting, which is poor, and he has no other distinguishing features. Marty is a loser. We... We live in a dream, dreamt by a loser, it turns out. Marty is about to become embroiled to some extent in superhero action, so we're inclined to judge him gently. I I think we're inclined to look at him as kind of a snapper car as the adventure proceeds. But just take a moment, consider Marty Jenkins before our arrival. Let's turn back the clock to that all-night liquor store before the shotgun-wielding thugs or we, the superheroes, entered. A moment when it was just one bored clerk and Marty Jenkins. Who is Marty Jenkins? Well, he's the only customer in the all-night liquor store. All-night liquor stores are not known to carry comic books, even in 1990, to the best of my knowledge, so clearly Marty has brought with him issue number one of the comic book he writes, which has the horrible title, Time and Space. He's a comic book writer, ambling around alone in a liquor store, holding an issue of his own comic book. Inside that comic book are all the events of all this in World War II, from which we can surmise, Marty Jenkins is not just a comic book writer, but a fucking mess of a comic book writer. Please consider everything that happens in all this in World War II. From the mysterious box delivered to our headquarters that started all this, Nick Fury, the Cavalier Project, the time-traveling Nazi commandos, discovering their time machine, meeting the invaders, splitting the party, fighting Baron Zemo, Baron Blood, Red Skull, the big maze where half the party was brainwashed to fight the other half of the party, the big fight scene at the end, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, A comic book is like 32 pages long. We thought World War II Inside and Out, All the People, All the Places, and All the Events by Hamilton Crane was overstuffed. There's barely room to write that title the dozen or so times it came up in our World War II adventures in a 32-page comic book. So this comic book that Marty Jenkins has clutched in his fist as he browses the shelves of the late-night liquor store, this comic book is bad. This comic book is real, real bad, just on grounds of being overstuffed and incoherent before we even get to the quality of the plot which, I mean, we all remember. Now, all of this is obvious just at a glance at Marty Jenkins in this moment before the liquor store robbery begins. But if we want a closer look, a little more detail on what's happening inside Marty Jenkins, we can turn to pages 12 and 13, which offer his stats, which, as I mentioned, are barely worth reporting in this book, and a little blurb about who this guy is. Quote, Marty is the writer of the time and space series for the Marvel comics of the alternate reality. If you are playing through part two, the heroes will meet up with Marty toward the end of the adventure. A basically good-hearted person, Marty is incredibly open-minded and sometimes has trouble separating his reality from the comic books he writes. Now, to say that Marty has trouble separating comic books from reality would be like a weird thing to say about a guy who's currently standing next to actual Wonder Man. So I don't think this is in reference to the events of the story. I think what it means is already before we show up, Marty is having a little bit of trouble separating comic book shit from real life shit, which would maybe be um, odd and dangerous, but understandable now. 
when a lot of comic books are about like abuses of power, horrible things happening to good people, just the general miserable state of existence. Basically, what if real life, but in ridiculous outfits? In 1990, you have more of a problem. Like the West Coast Avengers had some grim shit happen to them for sure, but it wasn't like I'm conflicted about my government affiliation given recent revelations of atrocities committed by my government. It's more like my babies disappeared and now they're in demon's arms. Lately, I'm finding that I'm turning into a cat, so I'd better go get this looked at in the land of the cat people, that kind of thing. The West Coast Avengers were on the forefront of comic book misery, but but there was still a long way to go. It's kind of hard to imagine how you function in life if you need the occasional reminder that like, oh, I can't recommend to my coworker that for their vacation they go to the world of the cat people. That's not a real place. And I don't think it's that Marty has any kind of serious psychological issue at the root of this difficulty he's having. I think he's like one of those gamers, and I have a specific person in mind here, but I won't name any names. One of those gamers who spends a lot of their personal energy on bad world building for their D&D campaign or whatever, to the extent that they forget other people aren't familiar with the landmarks of their extremely boring creation, and they talk about the shit in their big, shaggy, unorganized Word document for their D&D campaign as though it were a TV series that everybody watches. It's not a mental health issue. It's a social health issue, and the prognosis is very bad. When you're having a conversation with people, and you suddenly bust out with like, this reminds me of how in the ruins of the Fallen Empire, in my D&D campaign, there are the regular forearm Gerbaldani, but also, in the scarred magical plains left behind by the raging blaze fire over 10,000 years ago, there are six-armed Gerbaldani, but they have gems in their foreheads that control their actions. That's not good. That's, that's sad. It makes everyone sad for you and annoyed. Everybody's having a bad time. This is who Marty Jenkins is. So the dumbest thing on this page is just Marty Jenkins, just just the, the sad man who turns out to be the creator behind our entire existence. And if I could take one more little pot shot at Marty, there's an illustration on this page. You can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash makeadumbcast, a visual companion post free for everyone so that everyone can see. There's an image on this page of what I take to be the Marvel offices. We have artists at work, people walking around, looks like a, a busy office where comic books are being created. There's a guy looking real angry on the telephone. And at the bottom of the illustration, there's a man sitting in a chair at a desk with a typewriter. For this reason, I take him to be the writer of the series. He's holding a copy of Time and Space. And if he's the writer of Time and Space, he is Marty Jenkins. I think this is our man. Uh, he is a, a portly fellow in a short-sleeved shirt, just kind of hunched in his chair. Reminds me of a lot of GMs I've had, actually. And he is sporting what appears to be the visual inspiration for Wonder Man's awful mullet. It's all kind of styled in the front. It's too tidy. It's too slick, too put together up front, and the back is kind of curly. It almost looks like Superman's mullet when he came back from the dead. But, you know, he had been buried for a long time, beyond the empowering rays of our yellow sun. So he wasn't quite as strong anymore, and also he had no dignity. It took years for him to recharge his dignity. Fortunately, with his Kryptonian physiology, he made a full recovery. Our man Marty Jenkins. If Marty Jenkins is still kicking in 2022, I would guess that he still has this haircut. As he probably has uh, since high school, for all I know. This is a man who is drifting through life, just continuing year after year to take refuge in his own fantasy world, clinging to comic book reality like, well, I mean, I don't need to make a metaphor for it. He's literally clinging to a comic book in an all-night liquor store, probably because he happened to wake up in the middle of the night and see his hair in a mirror. And he was like, well, it's 3 a.m. I'm a hopeless hack with a curly mullet. Time to go drink. So far, this seems to be kind of a depressing alternate reality that we've entered, but this is only night one. Join me next time as we discover that not everybody has such a rough go of it in a world without superheroes. 
on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.